Before we get into today's episode of Around the League, Twan and I would like to let you know that although we're going to be talking about some positive news that the NBA has brought forth, we fully acknowledge the chaos that's happening around the world. And just when you thought things couldn't get worse with regards to COVID-19 and being in quarantine, they did. And for the wrong reasons and reasons that shouldn't happen at all. So Twan and I would just like to extend our sincere support to everyone that's hurting right now and everyone that's out there protesting. Uh, we support you and we're doing our best to educate ourselves on this matter as well and this system as well. And um, we fully acknowledge that the topic that we're discussing, the sport that we're discussing is much smaller than the situation that's happening around the world. Go ahead, Tuan. Yeah, great. Um, great way to start, Nav. Um, definitely uh, impressed with all the people um, that are bringing awareness and shining a light to the matter. I know Kitchener, we had um, a march and a protest downtown yesterday. Um, Judy and I were thinking of going, but again, we live with uh, my parents, so we didn't want to risk everything going on. But, you know, I applaud everyone that that went out there and showed their support. Um, we actually watched a documentary yesterday called uh, 13th. I'm not sure if you've heard of it or aware of it, but it was a documentary that was um, released back in 2016 uh, by Ava Duverna, uh, one of the filmmakers. And it just explores the history of the racial inequalities within the United States. And just focus on the fact that, you know, the nation's prison um, is disproportionately filled with African-Americans. So that's something that, you know, I wanted to watch, wanted to educate myself with. And my work, uh, we were able to get Tuesday off and they really told us to um, just educate ourselves and like learn more about the current situation. So if you haven't seen that uh, documentary, definitely recommend you watching that. Uh, kind of opens your eyes to a lot of the stats and all the, the different incidences that have happened within the United States for the past 100, 150 years. Um, but again, yeah, we, uh, as minorities uh, within this country, uh, we definitely support uh, the movement and um, we're, we're, ba we're backing that up um, 100%. Absolutely. Um, you know, like you put it, as visible minorities ourselves, I think we've had the luxury of uh, living in Kitchener-Waterloo, living in Canada, you know, considered a melting pot, but it exists, it exists everywhere, it, it exists here. So our heart goes out to everyone that is uh, hurting in this time. And um, yeah, just letting you know that we, uh, we support you. Yeah, 100%. So let's dig into it. This is sort of an emergency podcast. The NBA Board of Governors has voted to approve the league's 22-team format to start the 2019-2020 season in Disneyland. So Tuan, you know, despite all the crazy stuff that's happening in the world right now, it's a little bit of good news and it's exciting given the climate that we're currently in. But uh, here's what we know. We have the skeleton of the format as we know it. It's 22 games, or sorry, it's 22 teams, 13 teams in the West, nine teams in the East. There's going to be eight regular season games and then an eight place playoff tournament. And we'll get into that later. I wouldn't really call it a tournament. But Tuan, take me through your thoughts. What do you like about this format? What do you dislike? It's uh, funny because this format was never really discussed uh, in the initial uh, review by a lot of the analysts. Um, you know, they, they discussed a top 16 team without any conferences, which I like the idea of that. And then they also uh, brought up the idea of the the 20-team World Cup. 
I don't know. I think the 22 team uh, may be a bit overkill. I think 20 teams may have been a little better because with the two additional teams, you're bringing in the Phoenix Suns and then the Washington Wizards, who both are uh, five and a half and six games out of uh, the eighth place um, seating. So you're bringing in, you know, two full teams with players, coaching staff, family and friends um, into this Disney campus in Orlando. And I'm not sure if that was the best thing to do. Um, I'm really hoping that, you know, none of those players um, test positive uh, when this does resume. But, you know, I think that the t- the the board of governors were just looking for a way to um, satisfy all teams that still had a fighting chance of getting into the playoffs, and you know I'm I'm definitely happy with with this format, and it's just excited to get back um, to watching, analyzing, and enjoying the NBA. Obviously, there's going to be um, tough for the players to get back into it with kind of short notice. They do have about a month and a half. I don't think they get can get back into a, like an actual training camp for a few weeks, and then they, I think I think they have a week or so within the Disney campus to um, to start their training camp. But you know they they still have till uh, July thirty first, I believe, to get back into it and uh, try to be as competitive as possible. Uh, what are your thoughts on just this? This weird format and how everything's going down with the 13 teams in the West and nine teams in the in the East. Well, there are so many details that still need to be ironed out, and I think the NBA NBA has done a really good job of staying quiet just throughout this whole uh, whole process. And I think they have to stay quiet because there is so much risk at hand in resuming the season. And I think they want to knock it out of the park. I think they want to be fully, completely uh, prepared in terms of their COVID protocol. And I think that, you know, laying out the format was sort of step one. And I think that there's so much more details to come forward with regards to how things are going to play out. Um, I really like the fact that basketball is back and it adds excitement to the summer. And like we were talking about, it's just been probably the worst week since we were all ordered to go into quarantine. I can't think of um, a worse week in, in, you know, with regards to world affairs and things like that. So the fact that the NBA is back, it's definitely exciting. It adds some excitement to our summer. Everyone is thirsty for sports. But I don't like the format. And for a lot of the reasons that you already mentioned, I just don't know why we're so fixated on the eight seed play-in. My ideal format was the 16 seed, throw away the conference, one play 16 type of format. And I liked it because... It was ideal because all the teams are in the bubble, but I think long-term it poses a lot of questions with time zones and stuff like that. Player or teams having to travel across the country is probably not ideal. Um, so yeah, I would, have liked, I would have liked to just have 16 teams, eight in the East, eight in the West. You sort of freeze the standings the way that they were prior to the season coming to a halt. And then you have eight regular season games, and what those regular season games do is shake up the uh, the seedings. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I really like the 16-team format too, just because it would have given us um, 
just different uh, different matchups that we would never have been able to uh, witness or um, watch. I think the the one block or just the one hurdle that the the NBA uh, decided on the reason why the NBA decided to go another route was because they needed three quarters of those of the NBA teams to actually vote uh, for that idea. And I think leaving out um, those the additional six teams may have swayed the vote and we may not have um, a season to actually even have it to resume. So I think that was one of the major reasons. And I think the other reason that people are talking about and Obviously, the NBA is not going to admit to it, but I think having Zion, having Dam- Damian Lillard, um, have even De- Devin Booker, uh, for that fact, uh, just you know, back into uh, back into the NBA season, and then having those teams play additional games to reach TV deals. So th- I think this is a big financial move too, adding in those those six teams, uh, adding it to 22 definitely uh factored into that as well so definitely a few things obviously i think the 60 team would have been the best option even a 20 team uh world cup would have been a little uh would have been fascinating and interesting to watch but honestly i'm not going to you know complain uh right now obviously uh there's no basketball right now and i'd rather have it than not have it but again i i'm excited and really excited to see where um where some of these teams start um, start playing as they as they get with the July thirty first um, date to uh, resume play. Yeah, definitely. And but another reason that I'm a big proponent of the sixteen teams is because if you're going to play eight games with the top sixteen teams in the league, and it and and the impact of these games are going to be where you finally seed in the for the playoffs or in the standings. Like those games are going to be epic. You got the best teams in the league playing. And I just think that now you got like the Washingtons and you got the Phoenix. Like, here's a question. They could, and I was listening to the Zach Lowe podcast earlier today, and he mentions this. They could tank and just use this, use these eight games as an opportunity to have better odds in the draft. Yeah, I don't know the details of that. Are they are they just taking the snapshot of what um, what the seedings are right now? And then saying that's what the lottery um, seedings will be uh, when they do uh, do the, the uh, lottery and then do the draft, because yeah, um, Washington or Phoenix could just tank and then they could um, outtake a team that's not even playing, like Charlotte or uh, Minnesota. So I'm not sure how that that's all going to work out. But also another thing that the league has to work through are the details of the testing once teams arrive next month. And then even just calculating the financial ramifications of playing a shortened season. Because now that you have, I don't know, thousands of people coming into one site, family, friends, the players, again, the staff, um, how are they going to do the testing? Is it going to be testing every day for every single individual? Or do they have, like, you know, another strategy with that? Because that's, from what I've heard, the testing itself is um, really painful. You got to really like, you're getting up in there into the brain. You're like giving a little dab. So I'm not sure how players are going to feel about that or family friends are going to feel about that. Um, I'm not even sure if 
the uh, the players are going to bring, you know, their, their children or their family. I'm not sure how that's all going to work out. But, um, yeah, the, the NBA has a lot of kinks to uh, resolve out before, before they uh, give out those details. Yeah, the league is definitely going to be watched really, really closely. And you can say that, well, other leagues around the world have opened up. But you got to remember that, you know, according to statistics, the U.S. is leading in cases and in deaths, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. So for them to resume the season is going to have some crazy ramifications should things go south. And it will definitely um, affect Adam Silver's reputation going forward. So it's an extremely risky move from the NBA. And I think that's why, you know, I definitely have faith in the NBA. Adam Silver has been running the league amazing up until this point. So I'm sure that they are definitely crossing their T's and dotting their I's with regards to uh, the COVID protocol. I guess my big questions with the protocol is, you know, the season might not resume if things get worse. So I have a couple of questions with regards to the virus. Like, how are teams going to sit on the bench? Or how are they going to protect the older coaching staff? You know, some of these coaches are in their 60s or 70s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they, they mentioned that these guys can go out golfing at the resort. They can go out eating at these restaurants, but they have to still stay with like the two meter or six foot uh, protocol, um, like the social distancing. Uh, but I'm not sure how they're, they're planning to do that. Again, yeah, you like you mentioned, there's a lot of guys on the coaching staff that are older. Um, even some of the players um, are reaching some, like their 40s too. There's some, some older guys on, on different teams, uh, definitely those vets that, uh, that are on their last leg. Um, you never know what's going to happen with, with those guys too. Um, so I'm not too sure how the NBA plans to do that. Obviously, the details will will come out before July 31st. But yeah, we're just hoping that no cases, you know, uh, come out from this whole thing. Like what's going to happen if uh, like Giannis or a Kawhi or if a LeBron, they, they test positive and basically their chance of um, winning a championship is thrown down the drain. Like, where what happens with that right so you know i think that's when the conversation of an asterisk will come into play if if no one tests positive everyone's uh playing on the same uh playing field then you know the the championship may be validated but if two three guys are out for the season because they test positive and the season resumes and you're deep into the playoffs and you know it's let's say the Clippers in Milwaukee and then Giannis gets diagnosed in the second game. What, like what happens there, you know? So it's, it's such a gray area. So ambiguous and, um, yeah, really going to be, uh, you know, weird to see how it all unravels, but I hope it does, um, you know, go through, uh, with no, no issues. The league was pretty much unanimous in their vote to resume. So it was 29 to 1. And that includes teams that aren't even going to be a part of this whole 22-team bubble. So my thought is, if everyone is accepting, and it's not just the owners, it's the NBA and the NBA Players Association. 
So everyone's on board. And if that's the case, then I think COVID-19 is just looked at as like an injury. And, you know, the Raptors won last year and you had Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant out due to injury. So I think if a player goes down for COVID, you're, you're essentially looking at it like a player just went out with an injury. So in terms of the asterisks, you know, I think we got to let go of it because we all understand the risk of the virus. And therefore, if we're going to resume play, we need to do, we have to resume with, with that in mind. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, you know, the, the results for, for the vote that happened earlier today, 29 to one with Portland being the only franchise, which said no, which was kind of surprising because they are that ninth seed. And I know Damian Lillard said, I, I'm not, I'm not playing uh, if I'm not playing for anything. So um bit surprised by that, but I, I think they said no because there were reports that were saying that there were more competitive and innovative formats on the table. So that's the only reason they said no. Uh, but again, it was a basically almost unanimous vote um, from the Board of Governors and all teams to resume. So they must know that the, the health and safety of their players and their staff is in good hands. So again, we just can only hope that nothing more comes of it uh, in terms of players being affected and the, the game itself um, being damaged uh, on just kind of like a uh, optics level. But again, we, we're going to get basketball um, July 31st, so really excited about that. Yeah, definitely. And that's why I, you know, I'm so hellbent on just going 16 teams, you know, just the best 16 from the day that the league stopped uh, play, you just play with those 18 or those 16 teams because, you know, the rules are there's a play in tournament and it's not even a tournament. So basically if, if not, if the nine seed is within fourth, four games of the eighth seed, they do a series where the nine seed has to win two games in a row. So I don't know why they call it a tournament when really it's just two games and the ninth seed has to win two in a row. What if yeah. the ninth seed doesn't come within four games on either conference? Now you have an extra six teams that came to this uh, Orlando bubble and just put everyone at risk potentially. Yeah, but I think you just have to give those teams just a chance to even battle for that seed. I know... Portland and New Orleans are three and a half behind the Grizzlies. And then Washington is like five and a half outside, like out of uh, eighth uh, battling Orlando. So doesn't look like Washington's gonna even get close to that. Um, and yeah, Portland and New Orleans, they could you know go, go off win seven, six or seven of those games and Memphis still a young team. they could unravel. Um, in the last eight games. So you're really giving a chance to uh, Portland, uh, New Orleans, and Sacramento and just adding San Antonio, Phoenix, and Washington as kind of a consolation prize um, at, at the end there. But, you know, while we're talking about um, all these teams, like what's, what's going to happen with home court advantage? Uh all these guys played the 60, 70 games uh, throughout the year, and now they're going to play at a neutral site. So 
you know, what what was the point of even playing the regular season out just for the seeding? Obviously, home court advantage is huge within the NBA. Um, even if you look at a team like uh, the Philadelphia 76ers, who were 29-2 and two at home and abysmal away, um, they may um, have the advantage or disadvantage uh, on a neutral site. So with teams like that, you know, um, how are they going to give the leg up to the 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 higher seed? I you know I read up some, oh, sorry there was some news with like teams uh, trying to be innovative uh, to give the ad- advantage to the higher seed team, like giving uh, the team a seven fouls for a designated player, uh, the higher seed being awarded the possession in the second, third, and fourth quarters, and uh, even giving a team an extra extra coaches challenge, but I'm not sure where you can like you know find a fair solution for for this like home court advantage thing, uh, kind of unprecedented. And you know, what do you think is the fairest way to do this, or if there is even a fair way to do it? Yeah, well, you're, you're yeah you're jumping ahead on me. I had a couple questions I wanted to ask you, and I think one of the challenges that the NBA faces is the production. And again, so much is going to come out in terms of uh, the nitty gritty, the details on how this is all going to play out. But the production is going to be key because you're going to have so many casual fans watching this this uh, season play out and it's got to be entertaining. And you mentioned the coaches challenges, you mentioned the extra fouls. And I really hope that they don't manipulate the game. I don't think that this is an opportunity to manipulate the way that the game's played. And I think that doing that will just make it very gimmicky. It'll make it very tacky. And that's when I think that a team can, st- or that spec- or ske- spectators and, s- and skeptics can start putting an asterisk on things. Because then you can actually say that the game was played differently. So I think that they got to completely keep their hands off of the way that the game's pay- played. And... You know, I have faith in the NBA in terms of creating a good production, especially if they're teaming up with Disney. I think that there's some very special and unique things that they can do to create an awesome, uh, entertaining product. But I don't think that the game should be manipulated with or played with. I think that home court and the lack of home court is something that we just need to come to terms with. COVID was something that we none of us sort of saw coming. The NBA definitely didn't see coming. And because of it, we have to take 22 teams and play in a remote bubble. So I think that we just need to come to terms with the fact that we're all going through this um, virus. And in terms of home court advantage, we just need to scrap it because it's, it's an equal playing field for everyone as no one has home court advantage. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, definitely have to keep the integrity of the game intact. But I just wanted to mention that I was reading an ESPN article that was released a few days ago. And here's two actual scenarios that they brought up. And ESPN says that they have like sources for these, for these scenarios. So the first one was the higher-seeded team being able to transport their actual home court from their arena to Orlando to try to preserve the feel of their home playing experience. (laughs) And then the second one was an off-court feature in which playoff teams, in order of seeding 1-16, to receive first choice on picking which hotel they stay at 
at the ESPN Worldwide Sports Complex, um, owned by Walt Disney. So, See, I, <laughs> I think that's awesome because again, it, it adds it adds a little bit of excitement, and but it doesn't take away from the basketball game itself. Yeah, especially with the uh, the team getting the second, third, and fourth quarter possessions, they're they're actually getting additional possessions, which is obviously going to sway uh, the odds of them winning because um, the NBA games, especially um, in the playoffs, is a game of inches, right? And a game of just one or two possessions. And if you give that possession to the higher rate, already the the better team, um, uh, as it stands right now, uh, it's going to be really tough for those lower seed teams to uh, to have an advantage throughout that series, right? So uh, definitely, on my in my opinion, I don't think any of those first three options that I mentioned should be um, viable or even considered. But you know, I have trust in uh, the league office to to make the right decision on that. And yeah, it's going to be um, cool to see you know where they end up with that and what decision they make. Um, but again, yeah, have full trust in them to not ruin the integrity of the the game and kind of the the fairness of of everything. Yeah, the next question I had for you, I was just thinking about like the scheduling and how you're kind of in an eight game gauntlet with the best teams in the league, which again, from a from a viewership perspective, is going to be so entertaining to watch. But you have like Brooklyn or in Orlando, I think are just like one or two games away from each other, they're definitely going to be playing for not having to play Milwaukee. And although Toronto's super good and the defending champs, I think that as if I'm the Brooklyn Nets or the Orlando Magic, I probably want to play Toronto just because Milwaukee's been steamrolling over everyone all season. And even mid, mid-tier, mid like mid-bracket in the East, you have Indiana, Philly, and Miami all four, five, and six, very close together. So is there a team or two in the East that you think will benefit from this new format? And do you think that there's anyone that can make a push towards a higher seed come playoff time? So for the first part uh, of your question there, so the Raptors' remaining schedule as of right now, unless things change, will be... Philadelphia, Boston, Denver, Lakers, Milwaukee, Houston, Miami, and Orlando. So seven out of those eight games are against really, really tough competition. Um, The only game uh, there would be an easy win probably be Orlando. Uh, So I was reading an article where it showed kind of the, the remaining strength of schedule. Uh, for the uh, for the remaining eight games, because they're gonna have to remove like the Hawks, the Cavs, the Warriors from their schedule. So the Raptors have the second hardest schedule out of those eight games, whereas Boston has the third easiest schedule. Um, I forget who they play, but they they have a bunch of these lower bottom teams um, remaining on their eight on their eight games. With the Raptors only being three games ahead, I'm not worried about them losing their second seed. Um, but it makes it a little harder for them to 
um, you know, for, for the final eight games. But also on the flip side, the Raptors will have those eight, eight, eight games to warm up against really good competition. So it could help them um, in the playoffs. And if they're able to hold on to that second seed um, and play either Brooklyn, Orlando, or Washington, then that's a big plus. And again, the third, fourth, fifth, sixth seed um, in the East are still up for grabs. So the Raptors could be seeing, let's say, Philly or Miami um, in the second round, which definitely would be tough. Um, just because those teams are now rested up. You know, Ben Simmons, Al Horford are, are healthy now. Had the season not stopped, those guys would have been out of the playoff race or out of the playoff picture for the for their team. So um, I think Philly benefits quite a bit from this um, just because they get uh, those two guys back. Um, I think Raptors, even though their schedule is tough, benefit from getting you know Marcus All back, uh, getting Powell back, and just getting Lowry some rest because he's been um, piling up those minutes throughout the regular season and kind of putting that putting the team on his back in the late uh, second half there. So yeah, let me let me stop you there. I think Toronto definitely gets a leg up from this because like they're top five or six in the league in terms of oldest teams. So I think that they're going to benefit a ton from getting this type of rest. They've also been injured all season, right? So I think that this is going to be a very crucial eight games for them to sort of get that chemistry with their healthy roster. Yeah, exactly. And like you mentioned, um, I was also listening to uh, the low post where they had uh, Kevin Pelton on and they were discussing the Raptors briefly and asking each other who they thought the best Raptors defender was. And with a team with a bunch of, you know, solid, really good defenders in Lowry, Siakam, Abaka, Powell, even Fred Van Vliet, um, Zach or Zach Lowe uh, surveyed a few executives, and they they all agreed that Marcus Saul was the biggest uh, impact player on the defensive side for the Raptors. And again, he's been hurt all season, you know, playing here and there. Uh, I think he's missed uh, more than a quarter of the season. So getting him back into um, full-speed training camp, uh, full-speed games, getting that, that warm-up for the playoffs is huge for them because, again, he's a defensive player of the year. He facilitates on the offensive end at the high post, shoots the three, and is going to be the biggest factor for the Raptors on the defensive side. So um, definitely helps him on that end and, Again, getting Norman Powell, who was playing out of his mind um, this season, uh, definitely having that sixth man of the year candidate and a guy that's going to give you, you know, he's averaging 15, 16 points per game. He can go off 20, 25 points um, off the bench for you in the in the playoffs is huge. So I think the Raptors do benefit a bit from uh, from the time off. But with the format, I think they are at a disadvantage because they don't, play those weaker teams that um, that they had on their actual schedule. Now they actually have a really strong, like a very difficult schedule for the for the remaining eight games that could potentially take them out of the second seed, um, which then would have a much harder first round opponent than they would if they stuck or if they keep that second seed. Well, hold on. 
the Raptors definitely have the hardest schedule if the season were to play out. But we're not going to just resume our schedule the way it was prior to this whole shakeup, right? Like, I'm pretty sure the league is going to um, do away with the remaining NBA schedule as it was and create something new for these 22 teams, right? Because, yeah, like you said, that's kind of bullshit if you have to resume it the way it should have been. And a lot of these teams might not have been playing some of these eligible teams eight times. So I really don't get that. So I think the just the preliminary uh, idea for the whole thing is they're going to play out the remaining schedule. So let's say the Raptors, their next eight games, obviously they would have some of the teams that I mentioned, but they in between those games, they would also have like the Atlanta Hawks. So they would skip the Atlanta Hawks and go on to the next game. And if, if that team uh, is within the 22 teams, then they would play them. So the schedule that I called out for you earlier is what w- would have happened, excluding those eight teams that um, didn't make the 22-team bubble. Right. But if you're the Sacramento Kings and your next 12 games consisted of teams that aren't in the 22-game playoff or bubble, then... You know, what are you going to do? They're obviously going to fill that schedule in with eligible teams and therefore it would create a scheduling conflict, right? So, I mean, they're definitely going to have to figure out the scheduling altogether. My my take is that they should just scrap everyone's schedule and just create an eight-game situation uh, brand new. Yeah, I, th- I think that would be ideal, but I don't think that's the way, that's the route they're going to go. I think they're going to just continue with whatever is remaining on the schedule for each team and then exclude all the all the bottom eight teams from their schedule so with Memphis, so the thing is with memphis they had a really easy schedule to this point and supposedly their last 15 20 games were supposed to be the hardest uh schedule throughout and then new orleans had the toughest schedule um to this point and they were supposed to have the easiest schedule um, remaining had the season not um, not been on pause, so I think this whole thing also helps out Memphis, even though they have to play whatever a uh, a eight nine seed uh, play in tournament and resume their resume their season. Um, they have it pretty easy because their schedule was supposed to be really really hard um, for uh, for the remaining. Um, 15, 20 games for the season. So I think it helps them. But again, they could, um, they just have to win one game in that, in that uh, play on ter- play on tournament or whatever you want to call it uh, to, to make the uh, playoffs. But we'll see. We'll see how they play their young team. And they got Portland, New Orleans, and Sacramento um, on their tail for, for that ninth and eighth seed. You know what I, what I would have liked to see? I, again, I don't What's know that? why we're so fixated on the eight seed. I don't know why the excitement is going to be drawn from who gets to be the eight seed and lose to either LA or Milwaukee. Like it's going to be pretty anticlimactic once they determine that eight seed. It would have been really cool. Here's something I just thought about: if they did a separate tournament. I mean, if you're going to bring in an extra six teams and put, you know, create a bigger uh, risk pool. Why not bring in the bottom six and create a tournament where you are playing for your your lottery position? 
Yeah, that would be pretty cool. That'd be pretty cool. Um, especially with the new reform of the lottery where the first um, the first team, I, th I think the top three teams get the same percentage uh, and the same amount of lottery balls um, through, through their lottery process. So um, that could have worked. I'm not sure if, obviously that's not going to happen now, but uh, I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure how the remaining lottery teams or even the, the, the six additional teams that were added on top of the 16 that we initially thought would uh, be there, uh, how that's all going to play out. But um, yeah. The, yeah, I need, the, I, I need Adam Silver's number. Because think about it. If you win this tournament and you get the first draft pick, like that's way more exciting. And you would actually see a team celebrate for that rather than watching the lottery and seeing some 80-year-old owner smile when he gets that, you know, that first place ping pong ball. Yeah, for sure. But I feel uh, like it's something yeah. to, it's something to pop champagne about if you're in the locker room, you know? Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. But again, this year um the premise that you kind of just threw out there obviously makes sense. But again, this year's draft isn't that great. They don't have like a consensus number one pick either. So um yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Oh my god, uh, I just thought of something so so grim. Can you imagine the team winning the championship and you got a social distance in the locker room with your Oakley goggles while popping <laughs> champagne? <laughs> no, definitely not. If they win, they're they gotta risk risk that for show. Oh my god. Okay, last uh, last question I have for you is given the format, given the way things are hypothetically going to play out. Does this change your champion or does this change your NBA finals matchup? Do you think that things look differently due to this? Well, the the playoff picture could look different. Like like I mentioned earlier, Philadelphia, Miami, Indiana could all switch places. Right, but does it change um, your NBA finals or No, no, no it doesn't. No it doesn't. I don't think so. Unless there's like uh dramatic changes to the whole thing. Um, no, I think Milwaukee still um, gets out of the East, and the Clippers uh, battle out, battle out against the Lakers, um, and uh, prevail in the Western Conference. Um, I don't think anything really changes with the whole thing. It had it been obviously the top sixteen teams and no conference, then that would have been a different, um, different discussion. But since they're keeping the same conference. Uh, play for the playoffs then I think those two teams still still prevail in the end yeah I gotta agree however I'm hoping I'm hoping there's some interesting wrinkles and you know I'm excited I've been skeptical in the past but now that we can see it and we just heard about uh, the approval definitely feels good to potentially have the NBA back especially in the summer when we've all just been in quarantine and usually there are no sports in the summer except for baseball. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to be watching basketball come August, September, October. Yeah, exactly. But again, this, that whole thing, pushing it to July 1st, and I think uh, the idea is to have the season end October 12th and then have the new NBA season start December 1st. So the players will get about a month and a half break and then training camp, resuming November 10th and then the season starting December 1st and I think those are just the targets for the 2021 season 
and it can remain fluid but I think uh, that's what they have in place right now so again we'll have a lot of basketball within the next year or so just because everything's going to be condensed now and I wonder what they're going to do with the just the games and scheduling the games are they going to have it like the the NCAA tournament where they're going to have games in the morning and running all day long because again you have 22 teams 8 games each and you're trying to accelerate um, that process. You don't want to have just like one or two or three games during the each day, right? They're going to have to have several games throughout uh, the day. Uh, and teams probably going to play have to play back-to-back, play three games in five days. Uh, so there's going to be a lot, of, um, a lot of basketball within a short amount of time. Yeah, no, it's definitely exciting. Again, basketball, regardless of how it's played, is better than no basketball. And you know, so much, so much is going to get unraveled and un, uh, and unveiled in the next uh, several days. So you know, it's just nice to have this conversation right now. It's nice to have this podcast uh, about current NBA affairs when uh, we we started this at a time when there was no news at all. So definitely exciting times ahead, and more news is definitely going to break out as the days unfold. But uh, yeah, Tuan, it's just it's good talking to you about current NBA affairs and. Look forward to our next chat and finding out just sort of what the details are at that point. Yeah, exactly. And again, thanks to all of our friends and family and listeners who have been keeping up with this pod. Um, You know, we hope that everyone's doing well with COVID out there and kind of the climate or the climate that we are currently in with with all the protests. So hopefully hoping everyone's staying safe. And, you know, really excited. Again, we have a few weeks to plan out how we want to um, build out the discussions. You know, we're going to actually have games to analyze, players to critique, and how um, have just eight games to to ramp up to, to the playoffs, which are very exciting. So definitely looking forward to that. And again, thanking everyone uh, for their time and uh, hoping they keep safe. Thanks for everyone that's listening. Stay safe. Get your head away from the news. And uh, Tuan, I'll look forward to uh, talking to you next week. For sure. All All right, right, man. man. You take care. You too. Bye. Bye.